Hello, welcome to the Courtside Podcast, an NBA podcast. This episode is brought to you by YouTube channels Hiram Temptation and Captain Barbo, who make content weekly on YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe and follow the channel. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Courtside Podcast. And congratulating right now, before we get started, the Golden State Warriors beating the Boston Celtics in six games in the NBA Finals are now the 2022 World Champions of Basketball and have got four titles in the past eight years, which is miraculous just to even say that. I mean, can we call it a dynasty? Is it even considered one? We'll be talking about in this podcast as well. We'll be talking about the Christian Wood trade that happened over this week, which still is kind of confusing to me, seeing that Houston wants to rebuild and maybe even do something with some young players and we'll just give up Christian Wood. But we'll talk about that as well as how that relates to Dallas. But going first off, let's go straight into last night's game of the NBA Finals Game 6, where the Boston Celtics were hosting the Golden State Warriors, with the Warriors up 3-2 in that series and looking to finish it out in TD Garden. And speaking of which, I even the I think someone even said they even like I had a a sold out or they reserved like some sort of like a casino or something like that. So I thought that Golden State was a little bit too cocky. Maybe they you know bit a little bit of karma, but it looks like not. The Celtics went on a 12 and two lead beginning off in the first quarter. Was phenomenal at the start. And you're just thinking to yourself that hey, the Celtics team might have found something offensively. But midway through that first and leading into the second. A 35-8 and eight run from the Golden State Warriors. A 35-8 and eight run. I've never heard of such things before in my life. That sounds like as if like Magic Johnson and Kareem were going against you know, the Kings back in the day in the 80s. That's how bad it looked like out there on the court for the Celtics. However, a 35-8 and eight run from the Golden State Warriors ended up bringing this game into what seemed to be almost a blowout. Then Boston started a battle back and forth in the third, making a 10-point, 9-point deficit. And then, of course, Stephen Curry, it's just literally he had everything he wanted to even come back in this game and make a shot. And it's just that feeling where, I mean, you're one of the best players in the world. Your team knows that they need you, and Curry has to get on a light switch. And from the looks of it, he sure did. So Stephen Curry in this one, ending it off, 34 points in Boston and with seven rebounds and seven assists. However, the biggest story was 57.1% from the field and 6-11 and from three. Now, last game, he actually didn't even make a single shot. I believe it was like 0-9, 0-10 in game five, despite the Warriors winning that one. But 6-11 and from three, and a lot of them were deep bombs. Again, you know, this is a guy who's basically changed the game for the better, if you want to say, or maybe even for the worse for some NBA fans. Either way, his three-point shot is inevitable. All right, it just happens. It just works out for him. So shooting up 35 plus feet away from the basket, Stephen Curry was 54 and a half percent from three. And then looking at the other stats of this Golden State team, where we stayed with the box stores, Clay Thompson didn't have that good of a night. He had 12 points in this one, and was five and 20, shooting 25 percent from the field, and not even that, 25 percent as well from three. He was two and eight behind the arc. But man, let me tell you though. Andrew Wiggins, and I'm not going to lie to you, there's a lot of guys on this Golden State team that I could not hate and then I learned to hate later on in this series. But Andrew Wiggins, I just love the intensity out of him. From game four all the way to this game six and this three-game winning streak for the Golden State Warriors, seeing Andrew Wiggins, the former number one pick in the, in the NBA draft, it's being called a buzz, maybe some even thought about him in Minnesota. 
I mean, he showed out for Golden State, let alone this entire season. First-time All-Star and as an All-Star starter as well, which I thought, you know, turned a lot of heads. But I don't think a lot of heads are turning anymore as they're full focus on Andrew Wiggins. In this game six, he actually had 18 points and not double-digit rebounds this time. He had six rebounds in this one. In games four, he had about 17 rebounds. Game five, 13 rebounds. This one, only six rebounds, but still with 18 points. And probably one of the biggest things I saw was his defense. Throughout this entire series, Jason Tam has had an issue with Andrew Wiggins just because Andrew's size matches well with him, his long wingspan. He's been moving his feet more. And the I don't even know what it is. That's the intensity of being on that Warriors team when I switched him up. But Andrew Wiggins, this one, had four steals, three blocks. Four steals and three blocks. That's insane just to think about. All right? And this was off of, as well, five assists. I mean, Andrew Wiggins was everywhere. He was facilitating the ball. Defensively, he was out on everyone, clogging up the lanes to pass across court to the side, back and forth, going like a mayhem, you know, maniac, just following Jason Tatum everywhere and then switching on to Al Horford and just attacking Derek White. I mean, Andrew Wiggins has been probably one of the best players in this series. And I honestly thought, if not Curry, it would have been Andrew Wiggins who would have got finals MVP from, of course, game four and five. And, you know, then again, you know, Curry, well-deserved, got his first-ever Finals MVP. Probably one of the biggest storylines from this year's NBA Championship result is that Stephen Curry has the final piece of hardware that he needs to be a part of a exclusive class. He has an NBA ring. He has an M MVP for the Finals. MVP. He's first-team All-NBA multiple times, of course. Multiple All-Star. Multiple rings. And has been a leading stepping stone of what I'm calling it as a dynasty for Golden State. But before I even go into the dynasty of Golden State, let's just go straight into the Celtics night and get their box score out of the way. Jason Tatum, again, 24 years old in his first ever NBA Finals, unfortunately was not showing up offensively in this one. He only had 13 points and 33.3% from the field. Only took about four shots from three. He only made one of them. You know, yeah, sure, you have a better night than Klay Thompson. But then again, you know, you're probably one of the best players in the world. And you're on the Boston Celtics in TD Garden. So a lot of Celtic fans wanted more out of him. As, of course, Jalen Brown, his counterpart, 34 points in this one. And Jalen Brown, I mean, I think I said it multiple times. If the Celtics did win this finals, Jalen Brown would have been the finals MVP. Guaranteed. Jalen Brown with multiple 30-point games here and there. Keeping up. Probably the only efficient guy offensively throughout the series for the Boston Celtics. He finished off with 34 points in that one. And 52.2% field. Now, besides Robert Williams, who's a big, and Al Horford, who's a big. And Grant Williams, you can argue, but he only had like two shots in this one. Jalen Brown had the most consistent night offensively. Marcus Smart, 33.3% from the field. Nine points. Had nine assists, sure. However, at the same time... I mean, three turnovers, right? And I think one of the biggest things about this Celtic team throughout this entire playoff and even final series is that the turnover tracker is everywhere. We're talking about the Boston Celtics. Brown, five turnovers. Tatum, five turnovers. Horford, three turnovers. Smart, three turnovers. Williams, two turnovers. And it looked like from every single guy that was on the bench getting any significant minutes, they at least got one turnover of their own. The Celtics had about 22 turnovers, I believe, to end off this game. 
And I don't think they even won a single game throughout this entire postseason where they turn over the ball more than 12 to 13 times. So the Celtics not controlling the ball well. Golden State, again, 35-8 and run, which I'd never seen anything like it. They just couldn't, you know, recollect themselves. They just couldn't recollect themselves. And either you want to play that on Tatum, Al Horford, Smart, whatever you want to do. I mean, one of the biggest things is that, I mean, this Celtic team, as young as some of them are, made it to the NBA Finals and took the Golden State Warriors to six games. And I mind you, a team like the Boston Celtics, who were the 11th seed before in January, climbed all the way back up and literally looked like a emotional roller coaster going through the NBA playoffs, sweeping Brooklyn, doing two straight series of seven games against some grueling competition. And I don't care if you know, Middleton was in, in Milwaukee or whatever it is. Besides the point, I mean, those were two insanely grueling games of series. Oh, my apologies. Let me rephrase that. Two grueling series of intense games against probably the best competition the NBA has to offer. Probably the hardest road. And they weren't no track team. They didn't back down. And to, sh to show for it, this young team with Tatum being 24, Brown at the age of 25, Smart, I believe, at the age of 28. Their Celtic big three, and I know we push that word a lot, but it is their big three. So the Celtics big three at a young age was able to make it to the NBA Finals. And who knows where the Celtic team goes from here. Honestly, I think the Eastern Conference just gets a little bit harder every single year. And who knows, there might be a new team making a shot for it. It might be Philadelphia, it might be Milwaukee again. I'm not too positive, but I know the Celtics will be back in that mix. So the Celtics go straight to the offseason. Gold State goes straight into the offseason. And now is the talks of the recap of this year. It's been a phenomenal year of NBA basketball. I think for the 75th anniversary, to see the, re the referees become more officiating on a respectable level of, let's say, you know, aggressive uh, type of basketball where you saw more guys becoming physical in this game of basketball throughout this year. Uh, you know, we saw Golden State obviously win this championship four out of eight years. And, you know, we're going to call that a dynasty now. And then, you know, Celtics come back. Giannis Antetokounmpo having a phenomenal MVP caliber year. Jokic winning the MVP again, which I thought was insane to think over Joel Embiid. However, that's not even the point. And the development of Luka Doncic now making it to the Western Conference Finals. So there's a lot of great things to see from this year. There's too many things to even mention. But now we go into the offseason for the NBA draft. And that now going to the next topic, is the Golden State Warriors a dynasty in the NBA? And as I mentioned before, probably as much as I can so far in these past 10 minutes, Golden State, 4-8 and eight in the past 8 years for titles. 6-8 and eight appearances in the past 8 years for titles. I mean, you can really mimic this to kind of the idea of when Jordan retired for those years. Same way that, you know, Golden State had all those injuries going around for the past, like, 2 or 3 years. That's when... You can probably make a comparison. Golden State being out of the mixture. You got a couple of teams here and there well-deserving. Get their titles going on. And then Golden State's back at it. I wouldn't even be surprised if Golden State repeats it next year. To be honest with you, if they keep this exact same players on roster. But, man, I mean, what is it? 2015, 2016, their first title? 
it's been a long, long, long road if you really think about it. It's 2022. Stephen Curry at 34 years old seems to be still at the prime of his game. And now you have Andrew Wiggins who's developing well enough to be part of this Golden State squad in huge moments throughout the Western Conference uh, playoffs as well as the NBA Finals. Jordan Poole seems to be a phenomenal pickup. Kaminga and all those young guys they got. I mean, Wiseman hasn't even stepped on the court really for this Golden State team. Maybe a you know, handful of times here and there, but not really enough where we can say, oh, we've seen him with the Warriors, you know? So they got a lot great young guys. It's going to keep on going. And instead of how the Warriors of before were a bunch of veteran seasoned guys that knew exactly what was going to happen in the NBA and what they needed to go to that level. I mean, this Golden State team is young and has probably one of the best players all time. And if you ask me, you put Stephen Curry right now, top 10 all time. You put up in top 10 all time with four titles like that. And I don't even think even matter about the finals MVP. I think you put championships over that. But man, four titles. One of the best players, a part of a dynasty. And from the looks of it, probably, you know, one of the biggest things I see from this is that he has an argument over Kevin Durant. Because Kevin Durant was there for the two titles that they had in, uh, I believe, 2017, 2018. But man, I mean, Durant goes on to Brooklyn. He doesn't even get to the Eastern Conference Finals. You know what I mean? It's time of there. And Stephen Curry's already back, and he had to go through injury scares with the team and majority of their main guys like Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. So in reality, it's it's kind of, you know, point blank right now that Stephen Curry and the Golden State Warriors, that franchise, Curry as a player, Clay as a player, Draymond as a player, and Steve Kerr as probably one of the best coaches out there who now is, you know, getting his ninth ring sooner than later with the uh, commencement coming on on opening day for the NBA next year. Um, not next year, but in October. But still, I mean, great job for the Warriors. They're building that dynasty. And Steve Kerr with nine rings now under his belt. I mean, he's, he's a dynasty in his own. I mean, he's like, what? I mean, nine, that's got to be, you know, something ridiculous. And I thought there was also a stat out there where they showed that Kerr apparently – what had appeared in at least 27 or so finals, at least appearances, which is about, I believe, one third of the NBA's finals ever in history. So great job for Steve Kerr for continuing the uh, championship caliber mentality with this team, despite their youth. But the Golden State Warriors well-deserved victory for the NBA title. And now we get that out of the way. Let's go straight into what we saw over the week with the trades. And let me tell you, I'm more or less confused than I am understanding of this from the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets have traded away Christian Wood and has traded him actually to a team just near them. They're in-state rivals, the Dallas Mavericks. And Christian Wood, if you do not know, was the starting center last year. A young guy, first year with the Dallas Mavericks. And seemed to be a huge sensation, even having some praise from Shaquille O'Neal, who didn't even hear about him until they even played on TNT. But Christian Wood, a young prospect, will be making his way to the Dallas Mavericks. And Houston, in return, will get a haul as they get the 26th overall pick in this year's draft away from Dallas. Boban Marjanovic, Trey Burke, Sterling Brown, and Marquise Chris. And if you ask me, I mean, Christian Wood is phenomenal. But man, the 26th overall pick, get Trey Burke, who is, you know, an aging guard. Uh, if you want to say Sterling Brown, I mean, you can... 
I guess maybe you might even have him on the bench there. You never know what that can be. Marquise Chris, I still have some potential in him. I think he might be a pretty good guy at the power forward position. However, Boban, I mean, they got rid of the they got rid of the friendship. Doncic and Boban are gone. They're done with. And I hate that. You know, I mean, I thought Luca was really like him. I mean, he had a better relationship with Boban than he did with Porzingis in Dallas. But it looks like Boban uh, is on his way to the Houston Rockets here. And again, you know, probably the biggest story now is that the Dallas Mavericks have added on another piece to help out Luka in getting Dallas through the Western Conference. And Christian Wood, big man, can move his feet more or less. He has that size where, you know, there's a lot of development he can make. You can even put more weight on him. Maybe even, I don't know, he could be, I don't want to say too much, but I mean, Maybe Anthony Davis type of build he can be potentially, but you never know. But Christian Wood, I think, is a great pickup for them. The real question now for the Dallas Mavericks this offseason will be Jalen Brunson and what he does as he's going to get paid, guarantee, this offseason. And Brunson was probably the best player for them besides Spencer Dinwiddie in this playoffs. But Christian Wood will be making his way to the Dallas Mavericks for next year as the Houston Rockets is still in a rebuild now with the 26th pick overall in this year's draft, we'll be adding on to a more of a young roster. And I'm going to end the episode right here. Uh, thank you again for joining in for another episode of the Courtside Podcast. Uh, if you don't know, now you know that we do these episodes on Fridays, and we also do them on Mondays. So I hope to see you on Monday's podcast. I'm going to go through an NBA draft preview as the draft comes up next week, Thursday. So I'll see you then.